Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. For many, Moses ben Maimon or Maimonides, or indeed the Rambam, um, was a medieval Sephardic Jewish philosopher who became one of the most prolific and influential Torah scholars. Why, however, would a self-proclaimed secular Jew, his ba- whose background is grounded in hard-hitting journalism and politics, be intrigued enough to do a PhD degree on him? Jeremy Gordon, a former newspaper editor and author of the book Zuma, a biography, however, has chosen to explore his Jewish identity through Maimonides, or shall we call him the Rumba. Jeremy, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, Jeremy, what prompted this discussion is I was reading your uh, submitted article to Jewish Affairs. Yes. Where you kind of ask yourself the question, why would you, who is somebody who... When I think of Jew, Jewish person, I think of you. You know, you kind of ooze Jewishness, and yet you're not religious. You're not particularly Zionistic. Um, why? Why my Maimonides? Well, I uh, I started. I got interested in Maimonides when I was doing classical culture studies at UNISA, and uh, I was very dis- excited to discover that. As far as his his one particular book, but it's a major it's a major work of his, the Guide for the Perplexed. I discovered that uh, his his main benchmark, if you like, he considered it his scientific benchmark, although modern scientists would scoff at that. But that's another subject. Was Aristotle, and I was very intrigued because Maimonides has a certain kind of. Uh, um, Reputation, if you like, ultra-austere, rabbi, perhaps the greatest Jewish intellectual of all time. I mean, there are some commentators who say that. Um, Author of the Mishneh Torah, which is uh, a a serious work of Jewish law, halacha. Um, And he never stopped working. And then all of a sudden you find in his last major work, he, and that's, I've left out all his medical works. He was a physician as well. And an astronomer. And an astronomer, yeah. Uh, he, was, he was the all-round man. <laughs> um, but, he's, but, the, the, but, I mean, he's known as a preeminent uh, Jewish, Jewish scholar. Rabbi. Yeah, yes. scholar, commentator. Um, why, what was he doing taking information from Aristotle? And not only was he taking information from Aristotle, as it turns out, he, he didn't have any Greek, as they, as they said about Shakespeare. <laughs> he had little Latin and less Greek. Um, he, had no, he had no Greek. So where was it coming from? It was coming from the flowering of Aristotelian studies carried out by um, philosophers from the world of Islam. So can you just note, explain what note that, that means? I don't say Islamic <laughs> philosophers because they not all of them were Islamic. Some were Jewish, like Maimonides. Uh, some were Christian. Some of the early translations from Aristotle were done by in Syriac by Syriac Christians, um, and so from the world of Islam and. Of course, the major ones. So do you want to just kind of contextualize the time, just so we know exactly? I mean, we're talking about hundreds of years ago. Yeah, we're talking about roughly 800 years ago. We're talking about the 12th century. 
of what the Christian it? era, as some people call it. <laughs> so uh, what, what, what was the world looking like at that time? The world was not a happy place, at least for Jews. Um, it's, we're talking about the 12th century, so roughly a thousand years before, 1100 years before, the temple had fallen, the Jews had been dispersed, and then in 700 CE, roughly, uh, Islam had started and it swept across, certainly in the Middle East, North Africa, all the way up to Spain, which was known as Andalusia or Al-Andalus. And and all that area was under the rule of, of different Islamic potentates. Um, and the Jews were pretty much uh, were pretty much under their thumb. And right. okay, and there's a whole separate discussion. What was the condition okay. of of the Jews under the under Islamic rule? And then the rest of the world was pretty much under the. It was you know the late. It was the early Christian Christian rule, rather. The Holy Roman Empire. And in this environment, the Rambam did what? (laughs) In this environment, the Rambam, first of all, was, as a a young person, very young person, um, a new new, uh, potentate swept into Spain. Right. Into Andalusia, into Cordova, which is where the Rambam came from, and his family, the Maiman family. And um, and they were a Berber uh, tribe. They were from the, the the Berber mountains, and they were another wave of we are going to repurify Islam. And so, if you were a Christian or a Jew um, who had they had special rights as people of the book, ala dimi, um, ala kitab. Sorry that special rights, which were called dimi, they were called dimi, as long as they paid a certain tax and uh, uh, obeyed certain rules, um, they, were, they were left alone. But the news, the people who swept into Al-Andalusia said, no, we're purifying Islam. We don't want all these people around. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm cutting a long story <laughs> short, but um, it's convert or death. Right. It's your choice. Right. So many Jews sw- went north to where the the um, there was a reconquista. It was called the the Christian powers or the Goth. They were called Goths. Had come in and caught and and reconquered bits of Spain, or they had to flee south across the Mediterranean to North Africa. Um, Maimon uh, family went to to Fez. Right. which is now in what we call Morocco. And um, they lived there. Um, and there it has now become apparent. Obviously, there's been a lot of argumentation about this, given the importance of Maimonides in, in Jewish tradition. Um, it seems that he converted. He was forced to convert. Right. Or he would have been in right. deep diddly. Right. Uh, um, but... Conversion was apparently relatively simple. Right. You just had to make a declaration, I believe, in Allah and he is the Lord God of all, which wasn't so complicated for someone who who said a similar thing in Hebrew, really. Um, and uh, he converted. Uh, it's, now, it's now pretty clear. I mean, historians have been arguing about mm-hmm. whether he did it because you realize 
It's the, important. The, the import for <laughs> us. It's important. Uh, and also given his prominence. Yes. Um, and, uh, but then things, but then, uh, so he was sort of, they nominally, uh, he and his family and other people who converted, nominally uh, pretended to be converted and to be Islamic and um, it got a bit difficult for them and they left. They fled, in fact, because there were, there were suspicions about them and others. And they fled and uh, went to the Holy Land. To, they, went, they went to Jerusalem and they went to Israel, or Aretz Israel. And, uh, but things weren't very pleasant there at that time. You remember the Crusaders and the Muslim armies were fighting over. It was not a very nice place to be. And they they then went to Egypt, um, to Alexandria first, but soon after to Cairo. Old Cairo was called Fustat, and he settled in Fustat. Um, there had been a big change um, in in the regime, so to speak, in 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 Cairo. Uh, Sal- the man we call Saladin, Salahdin. He had taken over, and his vizier was in charge of, of Egypt. And there have been some interesting essays, actually quite recently. There, there seemed to have been quite a strong relationship between uh, Maimonides, or the Rambam, and the vizier of, uh, of, of Egypt. So we're going to take a break here, <laughs> a historical break. Yeah. Um, and uh, after the break, maybe we'll just come back to your, your thesis a little bit about what exactly you'll be looking at. And again, um, Jewish identity. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I am talking to Jeremy Gordon, who is doing a thesis on the Rambam entitled Reason and Revelation, the Reception of Greek Thought in Guide of the, Pect- uh, the Perplexed by Moses Maimonides. And the subtitle is you can share the subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitle is just a little humorous thing to which I'm inclined. It's uh, I, I don't have it in front of me. Have you got it there, Sharice? Um It starts off with the big arsonist. Who became fire chief. Who became fire chief. <laughs> the, the reason for this is he's now this paramount figure in our tradition and as a thinker and as a philosopher. But we forget that for 135 years, after, particularly after he wrote the guide, the guide of the perplexed or for the perplexed, um, he, the rabbinic mainstream, or uh, at least a large part of it, were very much annoyed with him, and it ended with his book, the guide, being burnt, 135 years later. Um, it was burnt in Spain, which by this time was under a. Christian, um, Christian monarch, um, but uh, it, it's also, again, uh, looked at fairly and squarely by Jewish scholars. Uh, some of the rabbis connived to have these books burnt. So that's quite a scary thought, isn't it? Um, and the reason I say he was a, a mon- a, um, an arsonist before he be- it was because he revolutionized he revolutionized uh, judaism he he turned it on its head really um or into its head is more accurate um 
he basically said in the guide that um, Jewish thought, which is mainly the Tanakh and the Talmud, is is not incompatible or inimical to to Greek thought, to philosophy. And Greek thought, falsafa in Arabic, is science. It's what we call natural science. So in other words, his big emphasis is on, on the world as we know it and on natural things, and particularly the stars. Um, his modern astrophysics will tell you that his uh, astrophysics wasn't too hot. <laughs> it was Aristotelian. But nonetheless... Oh, it was a good 800 years ago, did yes, you say? Yes, they didn't was. have quite the equipment we have today. Not quite. No. And, um, but uh, he, the move was to say revelation, which is what we believe in. You know, we were given... We met the Almighty, as it were, at Sinai and later, and, he, and we had a revelation. He said, I am he... And here's your law, and it, according to rabbis, it was all written down then, as you know. And this is revelation, and this is your revelation. Um, the Greeks are considered to have believed in reason, um, which is logic. This is why this happens, particularly Aristotle. This is why that happens. So it's absolutely fascinating, Jeremy. Absolutely fascinating. Where to? I mean, what are you hoping to achieve with your dissertation? What are you looking well, for? Well, first, <laughs> <laughs> first I have to finish it. <laughs> I've to be a with it for about 15 years. Um, but but I'm, what I'm trying to, to show in this is, is how um, there's, there's a field in academic studies called reception studies. It's how people receive texts over the years, how they change them, how different generations of people read texts. Um, and th this is in that field, if you like, and it's about how he received Greek thought, but through his world of Islam brethren, um, and how he transmuted it and what he did with it. It's, uh, as I said, it's um, unbelievably interesting and uh, I think quite relevant to kind of discussions within the Jewish community today or not. Um, not. I don't know. If it's, <laughs> well, I, I have left one thing out. It's the reception of Greek thought, right? But um, um, the part that moved me the most when I began, although this is a very specific academic subject, is that he used Arab thought, or the, the, the thought of the Islamic world, as I call it. He used Greek thought, although in translation. He used Christian thought. He had a massive influence on Sir Thomas Aquinas and all the scholastics of the later Middle Ages. Um, and I think I call this, in my thesis, an ecumenical, ecumenical in the sense of not divided by walls, not separate, um, just people working together. And I find that very moving without getting sentimental about it. And we haven't even had a chance to touch on your Jewish identity and to what extent it has come alive through this. Uh, well, that's probably a good thing. That's probably a good thing. I did see your face right at the beginning when I said a Jewish identity. You looked a little bit nervous, but nonetheless. No, I wasn't nervous. I was thinking... I've got a Jewish identity. No, I know. What, what can I know, we examine? I know, I know, I know. Because I'm actually starting pretty soon this kind of a 
Jewish identity stories, kind of uh, looking at how people find their Jewish identity. And I think for many people, they find it in very different ways. Yes. So that was kind of like a, a taste of what is to come in future Jewish World Talk shows. Well, we can talk about Jewish identity some more. That'll be lovely. We'll, right. we'll do a separate slot just on that. Thank you very much, Jeremy Gordon. Um, thank you for coming in.